0: This is Michelle Gibbs. My husband and I have been married for 15 years, and we have five wonderful children. My oldest is 14, and the youngest is not quite a year old, and we live in Idaho. I love studying the scriptures, and creating this podcast every week really helps me to dig deep into the scriptures and ponder and receive my own personal revelations. Join me as I share some of the thoughts that I have when I study using the Come, Follow Me program by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This week, we're studying Mosiah chapters 11 through 17 and talking about King Noah and the wickedness that comes as we have a wicked leader and as we allow those worldly and carnal things to enter our thoughts and our hearts and our lives. Chapter 11 talks about King Noah and all the things that he does, the changes that he makes. And in chapter 11, verse 9, it says, And he, meaning Noah, also built him a spacious palace and a throne in the midst thereof, all of which was of fine wood and was ornamented with gold and silver and with precious things. And it occurred to me that up to this point... His father was the king before this, and he must have had a more humble abode. I'm not sure how humble or anything, but obviously it was not so ornate and so gaudy that it was a burden on the people like it was as Noah decided to build this beautiful, extravagant palace to live in. And I think that Zenith, his father, had seen the kings before and the way they had Worked with the people and tried not to be a burden and perhaps modeled his leadership in a similar way because it was not enough when King Noah came. He wanted more. He wanted to be lifted above the other people. And in verse 14, it pretty much sums it up as it says, and it came to pass that he placed his heart upon his riches. And I think this is the key difference between having riches and being successful and then being sinful about it. And we we can have money and we can spend our money and we can build beautiful houses or whatever it is that we have interest in. We can put our money there and that is not in itself a sin. But when we set our heart upon those things, that's when... We run into problems, and we find that it's controlling of our lives and that our priorities aren't in the right place. And it made me contemplate this week, what is my heart placed upon? Because here it says, Noah placed his heart upon his riches. So when we have a special thing, whatever it might be, we should wisely set it somewhere safe. For instance, if you have like a new phone or tablet, or maybe a new remote control car or a fancy dish or I don't know, any kind of thing that you have that you really like and is special to you. Maybe maybe you, one of my kids would have built a really cool Lego thing that they wanted to keep safe or I don't know, there are so many things, but whatever it is that we really like and we really value, we have to put it somewhere safe because if we don't, it's likely to be damaged or broken or lost. At least in our house, I know that's true, especially with a one-year-old, but even without, we tend to accidentally break things or whatever. And so when we have something special, we take care of it. If it's an electronic device, we buy covers and glass protectors and cases. If it's something else, we put it up high or in a place out of reach and where it's not gonna have things said on it. If it's an important paper, we don't put it on the counter where it's gonna get wet or food on it. And it's important to keep it from harm's way so that it doesn't get damaged or ruined or lost. And I think our heart is valuable. And so what the, like the wording that they gave in verse 14, where it says he placed his heart upon his riches. So what are we placing our heart upon? Because our hearts are valuable. And it made me think, am I putting my heart up somewhere where it is safe and elevated away from the worldly cares? Or am I casually leaving it around in places that it can be lost and broken and allowing those worldly things to infiltrate it and to damage it? Anyway, I kind of liked that analogy this week. The Lamanites start to pick off these Nephites under King Noah's reign. And it says they exercise their hatred upon them. And that just reminded me about exercising. We, We are never stagnant. We're either moving forward or we're moving backward. And that is true physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, everything. And so... It was interesting as they exercised their hatred upon them I'm sure it built and it grew I mean it was still there it's been there for hundreds of years but they started exercising it and the war started increasing at this point because exercising or using anything makes it stronger and the Nephites initially go out to war and they beat the Lamanites and they get rid of them for a time And they're pretty proud of themselves. They say in verse 15 of chapter 12, And behold, we are strong. We shall not come into bondage or be taken captive by our enemies. And that is a huge pitfall that we always want to make sure we avoid in our own lives. Because no person and no people are immune to the temptations of Satan. It's always foolish to think that we have the strength to overcome things on our own. With God, all things are possible, yes, but we have to always be humble and recognize our dependence on God, or we run into pitfalls. This is one of Satan's tools, is making us think that we are strong enough on our own and we don't need help. So along comes Abinadi and he starts teaching the people and telling them to repent, and of course they don't want to hear it. He has to go into hiding and then he comes back two years later and he starts preaching again and they take him to King Noah and they say, This guy's really bugging us. We don't like what he's saying. He's saying stuff against us. He's saying stuff against you. You take care of him. And King Noah and his priests start talking to Abinadi. And one thing Abinadi asks them, because they claim that they're teaching the law of Moses, and he says, if ye teach the law of Moses, why do ye not keep it? And it reminded me that we teach best by our example. When I was just a brand new young mother, and my first little guy, Carson, he was a little over a year old, I think, and I had a next door neighbor, we were in college, and I had a next door neighbor that we really just were good friends. She and I, we both had little babies just a couple of weeks apart, they were boys, and our husbands were both at school and work a lot, and so we would spend time together. And she was talkative, I am a talkative person, but she was very talkative, and often I would just go over and sit down and she would talk and talk and do her chores or laundry, make her dinner or whatever and we would just visit at her house. And one time I was sitting listening to her talk and trying to show my attentiveness to her by nodding and smiling as she spoke and I was holding Carson on my lap and he was watching us and he looked at her talking and then he looked over at me and he studied me for a minute. And then he looked back over at her and he started this giant, exaggerated nod. Like, yes, I agree. And I I wish I could actually show you because it was so funny. But at the same time, I was a little bit mortified because in my mind I thought, do I look that patronizing? <laughs> I hope that I look sincere and not so dramatic like he looks because it was just so funny. And that is the first time that I realized how much our children imitate our example. So it's very, very important that we teach by example. That is probably one of our best tools as parents and as teachers and friends, neighbors, missionaries, just being a good example. In chapter 20, or I'm sorry, in chapter 12, still talking about the law of Moses, the wicked priests of Noah, they answered Abinadi and they said that salvation came by the law of Moses. And in verse 33, I like Abinadi's response to this because he says, I know if ye keep the commandments of God, ye shall be saved. And I think it's important to note this minor correction he makes because they claim that salvation comes by the law of Moses. And Abinadi says, Salvation comes by keeping the commandments of God. It's not that we're saved through the law, but rather by keeping the commandments of God and through our testimony of our Savior Jesus Christ. I was just reading in the book Saints with my family yesterday, and Hiram Smith and William Law, they were in the first presidency with Joseph Smith at the time, and they were struggling with the commandment for polygamy and one thing that Hiram said to a group of people that had gathered together to listen to him preach he said that that all we needed was the scriptures the Book of Mormon the Bible the Doctrine and Covenants the Pearl of Great Price and anything beyond that was too much and Joseph is struggling and trying to figure out how to make them okay with this and One thing that he says is, uh, he he tells Brigham Young to get up and to preach. And Brigham Young gets up to preach. And let me see if I can find what he says because I really think it applies here. Brigham Young says, I would not give the ashes of a rice straw for these three books, he declared, without the living oracles of God. And I think that's really the key thing that Abinadi is saying, too, is that the law in itself, the scriptures in in themselves, are not enough. We need the commandments of God. We need a prophet to direct us and guide us. And so I really liked that I connected those two in our family study and personal study this week. In chapter 16, we're getting more to some more doctrine and... Abinadi is kind of finishing his preaching to them, and he says in verse 5, But remember that he that persists in his own carnal nature and goes on in the ways of sin and rebellion against God remaineth in his fallen state, and the devil hath all power over him. And that verse made me realize or think that it's really about our intent because sometimes we see our personal faults. And we strive to be better, but we keep falling short, and we try again, and we mess up again, and we just keep making the same mistakes, no matter what we do. But then we keep trying and keep trying, and we don't care how long it takes. We keep working to improve until eventually, given time, we're able to make ourselves a little bit better. And I think the other side of that is if we continue to fall short because we don't want to make changes, or we don't try to make changes, and that's what Abinadi is talking about here, is if we persist in our carnal nature, if we aren't trying to pull ourselves out of the mud, and yes, we're gonna get dirty along the way, and that's to be expected, but if we're not making an effort, then Satan has power over us, and we're rebelling against God, because we're not trying, To align our wills with him and I think verse 14 for me was a good one this week talking about how Jesus Christ is our focus point and so that was really what I wanted to end on it says therefore if ye teach the law of Moses also teach that it is a shadow of those things which are to come and it really did just remind me all things point to Jesus Christ And the gospel is full of symbols and things that we can relate to our lives. And if we desire to find the meaning in them, we can and we will. And we can find what Heavenly Father wants us to glean from the scriptures and from our own study as we prayerfully approach it. This year I have started praying before I read my scriptures much more faithfully than I used to. And it's definitely made a difference in the inspiration that comes to me as I study and learn. Well, next week we are going to be studying Mosiah chapters 8 to 24. I hope that everyone has a wonderful Mother's Day weekend. I know for my family, we are heading out camping. I'm going to try out the outdoors in our trailer this weekend and see if we can enjoy ourselves and have some time away. Not that we need a lot since we've been social distancing, but a change of scenery will be very nice. So have a great week.